TGIF, but not any TGIF, the last Friday of summer unofficially. It's Labor Day weekend, an extra day of fishing coming up, and Jason Durham's going to get you ready to catch a bunch this weekend. Thank God it's Friday, gonna cast out a line. In the happy afternoon, sun is flying oh so high. I'm a peaceful kind of guy, most usually. But I'm hunting on the fishes in the deep blue sea. Making sure my bait is all nice and stinky. Gonna add a little, let it make the bait go sinky. We can wait another day to do the patchwork laundry. Cause now we go on fishing for Bunyan Country. Well, today we're checking in with uh, Jason Durham from Go Fish Guide Service, the always enthusiastic fishing guide um jason welcome back to the show great to have you hey thanks for having me out yep well let's uh before we get into fishing i know you're getting ready for the school year uh, and of course there, there's been a lot of questions uh everything's set to go in nevis now why kevin why <laughs> did i know that these questions were coming well everybody wants to know inquiring minds you know <laughs> of course of course everybody wants to know to, know, to tell you honestly I'm actually at the school right now. We're doing this over my lunch break, and I've already had kids for a few days. We do an early program in Nevis. I teach kindergarten, so we do something called Kinder Camp, where the kids come for uh, three half days, and they just get acclimated to the environment, get to meet some of the staff members at the school. There's not as much separation anxiety for those of you who need a little clarification on that term, and you know the kid that hangs on to his mom or dad's leg when they dro- try to drop him off at school? That's separation anxiety. Okay, This helps eliminate a lot of that. So the kids are excited to come to school. They're not nervous, especially when there's 600 more kids in our building. Uh, so we do this program for a few days, and, of course, with the state mandates that we have right now, the kindergartners had to wear masks. And everybody had their predictions of how this was going to go. You know, are the kids going to be wearing them on their knees, on the back of their heads? Why is your mask wet? Why do you have, you know, so-and-so's mask on? No, you can't share masks. All of these predictions, and I will tell you honestly that it is a 100, if not a 1,000 times easier for a child to wear a mask than it is for an adult because it was it was easy. It was a piece of cake for them. It was like putting on their socks or putting on their jackets. It was just matter of fact, and nobody complained. Nobody played with them. Nobody said, you know, can I take my mask off? It was just like a normal school day, but we had masks on. Okay. And you are going to be uh, full, uh, fully in school daily? No, in no our dis- district? Yeah. In, in our district, it will, and, and it'll vary from district to district for this year throughout the state of Minnesota. Um, it'll definitely look differently from, or look different than the past for a lot of schools and families and parents and students. Our district in Nevis is going to be Monday through Thursday in person, full time, everything as normal as possible, and then Fridays will be distance learning, learning from home. Now, families do have the option of distance learning. If, if they're not confident in sending their child to school for any reason, and we'll provide um, the, all of the assignments and everything. Of course, there's you know a, a new word that 
a lot of people didn't know of a year ago at this time, Zooming. <laughs> uh, we do a lot of lessons via Zoom, whether it's one-on-one, small group, whole class. And, you know, teachers statewide and nationwide have learned a lot more about technology, that's for sure. I would also um, say that there are probably a few teachers that have retired because of this situation that have just said, you know what, I've been doing this for, you know, 30 years, 35 years, and I don't, I don't need to know more about technology. It's time for me to be done. So mm-hmm. there's a wide range there in terms of staff, but for kids, it's, you know, from what I saw through this early program, they still came with smiles on their face, or at least I would assume that by their <laughs> squinting eyes, uh, because they can't see their mouths. And uh, we had a great time. And I will say, compared to last spring when we didn't get to see students face-to-face, to have them physically in the building was huge. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think uh, whether it be, you know, before you were able to guide or before people, you know, people need interaction. And uh, it's I think it's so important to the complete person. So finding that sweet spot is important. I'm glad, uh, you know, we're, we're able to find at least, you know, sometimes together. Absolutely. That humor, human interaction is important for all of us. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, I, I'm just hoping every school district, every child, every parent, Everybody worldwide uh, remains healthy. I, w- I wouldn't wish illness upon anybody, and, and hopefully, you know, we won't have to revert back to what we experienced this last spring, mm-hmm. but we just need to keep in mind that we can be flexible and we can do this. We can do this. So I think, you know, the idea that I'm taking in my classroom is to expect the best and prepare for the worst. So we'll jump in optimistic, and we'll see where it goes from there. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit of fishing. Uh, we're headed into the fall. How was the uh, how was the year overall on uh, on the Park Rapids area waters? You know, I thought it was really good. Uh, we had, you know, of course, we're talking about fishing, and so mm-hmm. if you want the overall synopsis, I'm going to give the positive, you know, feedback that yeah, it was a really good year of fishing. Did we have days where it was tougher to get bites? Of course, we're trying to predict the behavior of a cold-blooded animal with the brain about the size of a single pea, depending on the size of the fish. So, you know, there were a few days that it it was more difficult uh, with certain, you know, weather fronts that might have come through or even battling some of the elements like wind this year. There were days where uh, boat control and position was more challenging because of wind. So you might not have been able to fish the lake or the spot that you really wanted to get to uh, but overall, I, I would say that it was a really good year. Um, it'll be interesting to see how things are in our area in the in the future because we didn't have any uh, stocking done this year for walleye. Uh, my prediction is that we're not going to see a big impact from a missing year class. Um, you'll still have that natural reproduction as well. But in our area, we don't have great natural reproduction on a lot of our lakes. Um, but I don't, I don't see it making a, a huge, huge impact on the walleye fishing for the future. Um, but overall, I would say we had a really successful year on the water. And I'm assuming it wasn't just walleyes. I'm sure. I, I know you know you got a lot of bass there, and the bass are always biting. Panfish, everything seemed to be pretty solid. Yeah, we've really had a. <laughs> there's one species that I didn't encounter as much as usual uh, as I typically do. 
And people would be surprised to hear this, but I don't think we caught as many rock bass this year <laughs> as we usually do. And I'm not even joking about it, really. You know, rock bass get a bad reputation. I always I think those kind of fish, like rock bass, bullheads, eel pout, you know, fish that are just a little bit unique, I think they're awesome. I, I think they've got a lot of character. Uh, but we didn't. We just didn't catch as many rock bass this year, and I don't know if it's a declining population. Maybe people, more people are keeping them. I have no idea. Uh, but all species in general were really, really good. I, I think we've had a really great musky bite this year. We had several firsts in the boat this year. Really? Um, oh, it's really unique. We caught the same bass three times in a week. <laughs> we caught the same bike uh, pike four times in a day. Wow. Um, even just this last week, we caught the same northern pike twice and two passes on one weed line. Um, and people people ask me, well, how do you know it was the same fish? Well, they had unique markings on them that it was easy to tell, which made me think and reflect upon it a, a little bit that maybe this happens more often than we realize, that we catch the same fish more than once in a day, but because they don't have a unique marking, we might not notice it. But it goes to, to prove that catch and release works. And I will tell you this, too. If we catch the same fish more than once in a day, it's still another tally on my catch chart. So... <laughs> Yeah. It counts towards the total. Um, we also caught we caught two fishing rods this year. One was simply a Barbie rod, uh, but the second one was about a $150 rod and reel combo, and I'm still in process of trying to figure out, because it was on a very small lake, I want to figure out who lost it and how it went overboard, and if they can tell me that, uh, I'm giving them their rod back for sure. Ooh. Wow. $150? bucks. that is not bad. That's a nice catch, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, it's better than the old uh, the old lawn chair that Jason Freed caught earlier this summer. <laughs> oh, we've had, I've never, yeah, I saw that. I've never had a lawn chair, but uh, gosh, we caught a single vertebrae from a bison. Uh, that was an interesting story. I've caught a bra. Um, <laughs> you name it, we probably had it. But we also had one very unique thing happen this year where, uh, a, a guide client in the boat caught uh, a northern pike that was two feet long and had a four-foot musky T-bone hit it in the side, and we landed both in one swipe of the net. <laughs> so that was definitely a highlight. You know, wow. You get six feet of fish in the net at once. Uh, that's, that's unique. That is unique. <laughs> Much more to come with Jason Durham. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. Fishing Paul Bunyan Country is presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. We're talking with Jason Durham of Go Fish Guide Service today as he gets you ready for a final summer weekend of fishing. Yeah, school is starting next week for a lot of people, and the weather is definitely getting cooler. But there's still a ton of fish to be caught. Tell me about this uh, this catch chart you have. <laughs> it's all mental. Oh, I actually, I actually used to keep a physical journal of everything that I caught and the conditions of the day and, and whatnot. But it honestly got to be a little bit too much for me in terms of time. But I know a lot of people that do that. In fact, I take a lot of guide clients that will keep, you know, a log of every fish that they catch when we go out. Uh, some of them, like I was thinking about a couple that I take out uh, multiple times each year who come from Missouri. And they like to have a little bit of a competition between husband and wife. But they also like to look back, you know, 
and and see what they caught on their previous trip, just to kind of reflect upon it and and some of those uh, unique catches and just numbers in general, size of fish. It's always fun to remember the past. See if you if you had a, a real chart, I was going to ask you what your all time record was for most fish caught in a year. Oh, I and I've I've thought about that for a long time, Kev. I've thought about keeping a tally of every single fish that we've caught in a year, um, but like I say, it's just it's simply too much for time. I do have another client who has a spreadsheet for the specific lake that he lives on, and he keeps track of every single fish that he catches out of there for the entire season. Wow. Of course, he has backlogs for years and everything, but um, I, it would be interesting to hear if, if other guides do have you know, tally charts or journals or anything like that where they have kept track of the total number of fish that they've caught for the season. Well, I'm sure if you're, you know, if you're as good a guide as Jason Durham, you don't have time because there's just too many fish coming in every, you know, every minute. It's, it's usually about me telling stories or jokes or, you know, I'm getting interrupted in my stories by the fish. That's what typically happens. <laughs> We have a good time out there, that's for sure. Did you see anything out on the water this year or any trends on the water that concerned you at all? Um, a little bit. And, I, I you know, I, I don't like to point fingers at any total group or, or even individuals or anything like that, but I saw a lot more boating infractions this year. And I think part of the reason for that was because there was an influx of people on the water. Everybody wanted to get outside. And if you even, and, and I'm sure you've talked about on the show a million times, the increase in sales of fishing licenses, but it's also the increase of sales in boats. I mean, if you look at, at some of these boat dealerships, they hardly have anything on the lot right now. And there's a lot of new boaters that are coming um, and buying, purchasing watercraft. But the two that are most concerning, number one, is jet skis. And jet skis don't bug me when I fish. I mean, some people just have the idea stuck in their head that they don't like jet skis overall. Jet skis are a blast. If you've never driven one, you should. They're a hoot. But um, the infractions that I see with jet skis are pretty common, where they don't know the distance that they're supposed to stay away from another boat or from the shoreline and being at closed throttle. I see that infraction a lot, and um, I don't know if it's because maybe they're not experienced or if they're renting a jet ski because there's a lot of jet ski rentals in our area that even though the regulations are explained to them and given to them, that you don't know them all immediately. Um, and again, I'm not trying to put jet skis into a huge group. I, everybody should be able to use the water and have a good time out there. But then the other thing that's a little bit concerning, and I know that the U of M is actually doing a study on this right now, is the size of wakes or waves that are put out by some of the boats that can take water on board as ballast to create a large wake. And a lot of people don't realize this, but it's actually Minnesota law that you are responsible for any damage that's done by the waves that are created from your boat. Mm. And so I was thinking about this. Uh, it's just like ice fishing. If you plow a trail out to your fish house, you're actually responsible for anything that should happen with that berm that you created 
on the path that you plowed out. So it's kind of the same thing. If you create a, a bump in the road, if you went out on a snowmobile trail and built a ramp with snow and somebody gets injured, it's kind of the same thing. So I think boaters just need to be aware of that whole safety aspect of it. And the other, the other thing that I think is really imperative is that you may see some of these infractions that it's also not your job to go over there and scream at somebody because that's not going to solve anything. And I know tensions are high in our entire nation and probably the world. Patience is short for some people, but you don't have to chastise somebody for that. You could give them a friendly reminder and let them know that the reason you're you're telling them is because you don't want them to get a ticket or you want to keep them safe. And that's a really good way to approach it. Of course, if there's a water patrol, you can let them handle it. That's their job. Um, You don't have to be in charge of that. You know, I I, uh, heard a lot from, I think it was the North Shore and Boundary Waters area, a lot of same type of things. People camping for the first times, not understanding what you're supposed to do and not supposed to do, and uh, at times uh, real real basic mistakes made from people who are new to the to the business and and we want those people to learn we want them to be a part of the outdoors going forward so your approach is the right approach um don't be angry don't turn them off to this because uh, these are new people that that uh, can really help our industry down the road you really need to take the upper road and be the example and that's one thing that you can always do is is teach by example i do that in my classroom every day modeling that appropriate behavior and when you come unglued on somebody and just start screaming at them that's that's definitely not leading by example especially if the other person has kids on board or you have your kids along getting an argument at a boat landing or something like that and having kids witness that they think that's okay then remember you're always being watched uh, and just do the right thing This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. We are heading into a long holiday weekend of fishing, so we're getting all the details on how to catch fish with Jason Durham of Go Fish Guide Service out of the Park Rapids slash Nevis area. So how was your business this year after you were able to start guiding? Was it, more, was it busier than years past because of uh, new anglers and, and people who couldn't go to Canada? I have to tell you, honestly, Kevin, with my business, and this is my 28th year of guiding, I really can't get any busier than I already am. Okay. <laughs> um, so, and, and I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying that I get to meet so many interesting people. And over that span of time, there's a lot of return customers that come. But I, I do have new guests every single season. Uh, there were some groups that I typically see annually who didn't come uh, because of a couple different reasons. Uh, some, they just didn't know what to expect. There was so much that was unknown. Some was because of underlying health conditions, and um, I, I don't want to say fear of getting sick, but precautionary. And, of course, the Canadian border did have a big impact. I had a number of groups that called that said, we've been going there for 30 years or 20 years, and we usually go for you know this many days. Uh, we're, we still want to get away. We still want to do a vacation. And we still want to get on the water, so what do you have available? The advantage in our area is uh, we've got several younger guides 
who are working along with me. They don't work for me, but they work with me. And we have a little bit different approach with that where our guides are just, we're kind of fluid. We're always sharing information, but none of us work for somebody else. We're all independent, um, but we work together really well. And so for those guides that haven't been around as long, uh, they got a, a lot of new clients that came in who, you know, potentially may return in the future. Well, what do you think about the fall? How's it going to be out there? I think it's going to be fantastic. I'm already seeing a couple major changes on our lakes. One is that the the number of boaters is starting to decline. So those days where you have the entire lake to yourself are starting to increase. Of course, with kids getting back into school, that's going to play a major role in um, the the busyness of our lakes, I would call it. Um, and then one thing that always co- comes up in the fall is turnover, fall turnover. And most people think of think of that, think of turnover as that short period where the water gets a little bit cloudy, you get a lot of weeds that are floating, and uh, a short duration of really not very good fishing. You have to wait a little bit until the lake kind of settles down. And again, it goes back to that whole idea of, you know, pursuing a cold-blooded animal. So when their environment changes, it's going to change their behavior. But that whole process of turnover begins right now. It's beginning right now. And all it is is having multiple water temperatures mix into one consistent temperature. So that water is simply mixing together. And I've seen where weeds, you know, weeds are starting to die off a little bit. We're starting to see those come up to the surface and blow into the shorelines, which is important to know at the public access, too, because you have to get all those off of your trailer so you're not transporting AIS. But then, um, you know, seeing uh, changes in where the fish are located, too, where you might not have as many fish out in that deep, deep water, or you might not have as many fish in a spot that you've been, you know, consistently catching them for a month. Things are changing. Bait fish is, is uh, switching areas where they're located. But that's not on every lake. Mm-hmm. I've said it before. If you say always or never with fish, at <laughs> some point you're going to be proven wrong. So you might go to the lake that, you know, you've been catching them in this area for a month. And you go back there and they're still there for the next month. And you go, well, you know, Jason Durham's full of baloney. Well, <laughs> again... You can't say always or never that it applies to every body of water. Every lake is different, uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, what's what's the sweet spot uh, temperature wise, surface wa- uh, temp wise, as far as you're concerned for the fall bite to really kick in? Yes. <laughs> Same thing. Always or never. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like that's like people say. They ask me a lot. Do you fish the moon phases? Do you? Yeah, I do all of them. Do you pay attention to the salooner tables? Yeah, I'm definitely going to be out during the peak period because I'm going to be out absolutely all day. Yeah. Uh, people really, some people get too involved with all of that and making predictions of when it's supposed to be best. And really the key is to simply go. You want the top secret way to catch more and bigger fish, you have to get out on the lake. Just go and do it. Make time. Get out on the water. The longer you can have your bait in the water, the greater your chances are of catching a fish. Okay. Now, let's the, let's look short-term. We've got a long holiday weekend here. 
People get an extra day of fishing. Uh, what should we be doing this weekend? What should we be fishing for? What's hot right now? What What do we need to bring with us in the boat? In our area and a lot of areas nearby, so I'm talking Bemidji too, Cass Lake, mm-hmm. you know, everywhere from here to there and, and around, the walleyes have really started to pick up. And so we're getting a lot better numbers of fish. Um, and anglers are getting them numerous ways, just like most of the year. You don't just have one approach that's going to catch fish. But we've seen the most success in this last week, week uh, moving fairly quickly with spinners, uh, pulling uh, butterfly blades and crawlers, you know, moving at a pretty good pace, about a mile and a half an hour. And it's pretty easy to do it. I mean, first thing, using your electronics to locate the fish, sometimes finding them actually in the weeds up in that shallow water yet, too, which a lot of people aren't used to for this time of year, you know, catching walleyes up in like 8, 10 feet of water. But they're always using vegetation, always. But there are some uh, walleyes located out a bit deeper as well. And so having confidence that you can go out and, and pull a spinner where you're holding the rod in your hand and you're, you're just feeling, you know, a slight pull from the resistance of that weight and that blade turning. And then as your rod starts to bend over, you can't second guess yourself. You can't, when you're in 22 feet of water, you can't second guess and say, that might be a weed. As soon as there's something pulling against it, you, you got to pull back. Okay. So don't trick your, don't trick your mind into thinking that you're hooking something that's not going to be there. It's going to be a fish. All right. Um, do you get to keep guiding some in the fall once school starts, or are you pretty much done? Yeah, I actually do. Uh, this weekend will be busy both with getting last-minute things done in my classroom, and then I've got a handful of trips that I'll be conducting as well. But I pull my boat to school almost every day. The challenge uh, becomes when we get later and later into the fall that we don't have as much daylight. Mm-hmm. But fortunately for me, most trips in the fall are either fishing for walleyes or crappies. So like walleyes, for instance, to go into the twilight hours a little bit and go after dark, especially in the fall, it's really nice being out there and you don't have many other boaters that you're competing with or anything. Just make sure that you're, you know, taking the safety precautions, bringing headlamps, spotlights, all of those things and wearing your life jacket is a big one because that water's cooling down, but just ensuring that you're going to be safe if you're out there after dark. But there's a lot of days that I'll teach a full day and then go guide for a half day afterwards. And then, of course, the weekends, too. The weekends are always busy with guiding. Are you booked for the whole fall? Not the entire fall. And, of course, as we start to get into more of the hunting seasons, I think that the fishing takes... uh, you know, it doesn't take precedent as much as it does midsummer when there's different outdoor opportunities. So uh, it slows down a little bit. And not, this might surprise you, Kev, but not everybody likes to go fishing when you have to chisel out the ice at the access to get the boat in. For what? some reason, I don't know why they don't like getting frostbite out in the boat. But uh, I'll go until, honestly, that you can't get the boat in the lake anymore. Okay. Well, you never know when that will be exactly, but <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. And I was thinking about that. Uh, you know, I've, I'll be selling my boat in, uh, this fall, and I don't want to be without one. If we get this warm spell that we've got open water in late November, even early December, so I, you don't want to sell it too late. 
because then then I might have to take up hunting instead. <laughs> oh boy. Pro- I know problems. It's a hard life. Yes. It yes. Is. First world problems. <laughs> Indeed. Well, Jason Merman, it's great talking to you. I'm sure we will talk to you in the fall, find out how the bite's going at that time. Uh, enjoy the start of the school year and enjoy your final weekend of summer. Thanks for taking the time today. Thanks, Kev. Hey, one last thing that I'd like to add before we leave. I know it's a little bit early to start talking ice fishing, but one thing I want to mention, and even hunting, though I'm not a hunter, but you've seen over the course of the summer how it's been difficult to get certain fishing items in the tackle shops and retailers that we may encounter the same situation in availability and distribution as we get into the hunting season and into ice fishing so my advice to the listeners is if you see something in the store that you know you're going to buy during this ice fishing season i would snatch it up as fast as you can or in the hunting season whether you're talking about ammunition or guns or targets or anything like that I would buy it when you see it available because it might not come back into the stores and you might not have it for your hunting or fishing, ice fishing season. Okay. Good point, Jason. Thanks again, and uh, have a great weekend and a great fall. Hey, thanks, Kev, and good luck to everybody heading out fishing and everybody uh, who's either sending their kids to school or attending school. Uh, whether that's a teacher or a student. There's still plenty of good fishing to come, and we'll be talking about it, but enjoy this last weekend of summer, this final hurrah before fall kicks in. I'm Kev Jackson. Thanks for joining us. Fish hail, the barn yell, country, country.